Okay, so I think I've I think I've got it recorded. Wait, I gotta get my notebook. And, nope. Oh. What? I, I gotta get a drink to it. Hold just a second. Okay. Well. Okay. Well. So I think it's going. All right. Um, Wait, do you need anything? Yeah, I probably have to go to the bathroom, but... Yeah. <laughs> well, it, you know, I'm old. Is it recording? Oh, yeah, it is. Oh, wait, what is this? Oh, this is the... Truly Unlimited Podcast. Here we go. Welcome back to the Truly Unlimited Podcast. I am Jeff Plunkett. And I'm Don Bruce. And we are very glad you are with us uh, once again. Don, it has been quite the weekend for me. It has been quite the day, and so my voice is very tired, so you can maybe hear that in my voice. Yeah? Sure. Okay. <laughs> sure. <laughs> Pause for dramatic effect. Um, so we're going to try to get through this. Um, again, so I think last time I did most of the talking. I think we'll probably let you do a lot of the talking today, maybe even most of it. And I may just sit here and just... Just revel in your wisdom because, right. as sure. we established last time, a lot of people are here just to hear you, and so they just put up with me. Yeah, yeah. yeah. All right. Well, we'll see. After they hear me a little bit, they may be calling in to whatever number they find and saying, no, we just want to hear Jeff. Yes. Um, yes, if you do have complaints, dial 12. That's it. That's it. Just dial 12. I don't know. It probably won't do anything for you, but you can dial it. (laughs) Aren't you supposed to call 911 if you have a problem? Probably not for this. Probably not. It probably doesn't apply. All right. We're not encouraging people to dial 911 for complaints. All right. All right. Let's get to it, shall we? Okay. <clears throat> Let's. Uh, so the topic today, we we've got a topic today that I that I'm excited about, um, and and I don't know why I'm excited about it because well I am because I know it I know the end of the story, but the title doesn't sound very exciting. It sounds very sad, doesn't it? But it's because we have talked about it before. We tried to limit our time just ahead of this podcast, as you those that those couple of you that listen constantly um, know that we always say, well, we've talked for a whole hour before, and we tried to limit that today, but this is a topic that we've talked about often Yes, in the past. And what is this mysterious topic? Why do we dismiss others? That is the topic, if you're... Yes. Yeah. Yes, that is the topic. <laughs> <laughs> Again, I think I said in our last podcast, (laughs) we're a well-oiled machine. (laughs) And and I don't even, yeah. Yeah. All right. I have no comments on that. All right. So, but the the topic is why do we dismiss others? And we're coming at this from a couple of different directions. So, Don, I'm going to let you, you've done a great job of preparing for this. Um, so I'm going to let you just kind of take over from, from here, and I'll just interject occasionally. Okay. Um, one thing that I'll, I'll say starting out is I, there's a story that I've said before on here of just a quick story in my own life that caused us to start considering this in the first place, and it's just basically a really hard time in my family's life. And I, um, we were in church leadership, too, had a, a ministry position. And I just wasn't getting 
help I need. I didn't know how to ask for help, but I wasn't getting help I needed. And we were leaving church one day, passed by the pastor. And I, I realized at this point, he probably didn't know what to do. But at that time, I said, was very blunt with my hurt, trying to, as a cry for help. And, and the response was, well, hopefully it'll be better next week. And, and so I certainly felt dismissed. And, um, and there are people all through churches, I think, that receive that, not necessarily intentional by people who give it, but just they don't know what to do or they don't recognize it. Yeah, and, and I'll, I'll just add to that, you know, understand as, as ministry leaders, we've been in ministry, we are in other leadership roles now, and it's, it, it's not that dismissing someone is intentional, right? but it happens, and, and you know, we can tell ourselves a story that we never intend to, but that doesn't mean we don't. We can tell ourselves a story that says, no, I'm, I'm very attentive to people, but yet that doesn't mean that doesn't happen. Um, because I believe everybody at times unintentionally dismiss somebody else. Sure, sure. Yeah, and, and, and certainly there's times where we feel dismissed. Right. And you know, maybe people didn't even know there was anything to dismiss. Um, you know, I, I know I said I was going to let you talk, and, and I will, but I just want to <laughs> yeah. share this that you know, as a as a kid, I was a very lonely kid. I may have shared this before; I don't remember. But um, but it, it, I was a very lonely kid. We moved around a lot, and and I just didn't ever feel like I fit fit in. Well, so as I grew up, and especially when I got into high school, when I finally did feel like I fit in, mm-hmm. um, because I, I was an athlete and was a very good athlete, and, and so I came into a new school, it was a smaller school, and I was an athlete, and, and so I, I, I just suddenly fit in, and I was, a, I was very outgoing. But what I, what I started right then and there was a practice of being attentive to the person who was uninvolved, a person that was back in the, the corner who was, who, who for whatever reason, whether they were actually dismissed, whether they were rejected, or whether they were just, you know, separating themselves for some other reason. I just began this practice because I knew what it felt like to be set aside. Right. Um, again, whether people intended to or not, that's that's just how I felt. And so in ministry, whenever I got into ministry, that I, I was constantly, especially as a youth pastor, I was constantly looking for the person who was not part of the group. And, I, you know, and, and just quick thing here, and then I promise I will stop. <laughs> it's totally fine. Yes. Um, but, you know, it... One of the last places I was a youth pastor, we had a very tight-knit group there. And that group was probably somewhere around 20, 25, 15 to 20 kids that were very tightly knit group. Mm-hmm. 
and it's interesting, one of those was my son, and one of those is now his current wife, <laughs> and we've had conversations about this several times, and if you ask them how many people were in our youth group, they would say about 20 to 25 people. Now, they feel really bad about this now, <laughs> um, but they would say 20 to 25. It was a small youth group. of Right. It was actually somewhere more around 150 to 160 kids that we that came in on a regular basis. Some of them were there on Sunday mornings, some on Wednesday nights, but it was about 160 kids that we were serving at that time and you know in in two right. groups. But they had no idea. They they were in a room even and, and usually in the room there were 50 to 60, even 75 or 80 kids in the room at a time, but they didn't notice the other kids in the room. They only noticed their tight-knit group. And so we had all these various people, in a sense, dismissed by the main group. And again, like I said, they feel really horrible. But that's common. Yeah. I I mean, it's common, especially with teens, because... They're going to notice their group. Yeah. You know, I, I realized just in this little bit that we talked, um, you know, how you hear people talk about the child that will act up or something for attention. Mm-hmm. And I know that I was, I really caused a lot of issues or whatever in school <laughs> when I was a teenager. But, you know, prior to that, when I was younger, I was a very good student. Um, very, I made very good grades, let's say in a good student like that, I made very good grades. And so I typically probably was dismissed in certain ways only because the teacher didn't have to worry about me. Mm. And, and so in my acting up in my teen years, I got noticed. But I also, in that same way, from when I was teaching, I would realize at times that there are students that I'm barely paying attention to in the classroom only because they're not causing a problem and they're doing what they're supposed to be doing. And so I focus on the others making the most noise. And that doesn't mean that's always the best thing to do. Right, right. And so if you're listening to this and you're going, man, how is this even possible not to dismiss people? Um, Don's going to share with you something related to leadership. And kind of bear with it as we go through it. It's it's brilliant stuff. And we're going to answer the question, how do we keep from dismissing people? And, right. and, and it comes down to a point, and I, I'm, I'm just, I love what she's, what she's brought together here. And you're going to have to be a little bit patient to, to really get what we're saying because, because it's going to, anyway, you'll see. There are little puzzle pieces, and it'll come together, yeah. and you'll see the picture. Yes, exactly. But it's, it's absolutely brilliant, and it's, it's really pretty simple. So whenever, so in um, my research, just trying to see what people have said about dismissing others or um, different things that we do, I, I'm looking first on the side of leadership, and I found something that 
that mention two types of leaders. A transactional leader, which utilizes a social exchange to accomplish their goals. And then a transformational leader who inspires people to reach for a common goal. Now a transactional leader, just in that, that means that there's something happening that they're gonna benefit from that. And I feel like a transformational leader is working for the benefit of the group. Yeah, so, so explain more about a, a transactional leader, because so, I want to unpack that just a little bit more. And, and, and we can, so we're saying leader, and if you're going, I'm not a leader, well, one, that's not true. Everybody is a leader right. in, in some some A parent yeah. or, a, you know, anything. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Um, so everybody takes on some type of leadership role at some point. So, but, but, so if you don't want to use the word leader, great. We can it's say a, relationship, transactional yeah. relationship, transformational relationship. Exactly. exactly. Um, brilliant. So unpack that transactional leader, transactional role just a little bit more. Can you set a social exchange? Um, what's, what's the objective here? Well, a transaction, if you think, is like if I go to a store and I make a transaction, I'm giving one thing, like money, and expecting a certain thing back. And so when we have a transactional relationship, I, I'm not going into a store um, just giving money out and not expecting anything. You know, so I'm always expecting something back. In a transactional relationship, I do something for you because I'm expecting you to do something for me. I give a gift at Christmas because I'm expecting to get a gift back. And and when we have relationships like that, they could seem beneficial. But if that's what the relationship is based on, then it's not truly a relationship of anything beyond that. It's always based on the transaction. Yeah, good, good. So then, but then the transformational leader, what's the difference there? You said inspires toward a common goal. What do you mean by that? I think a transformational leader is looking at, or a transformational relationship is I'm looking at the relationship for us to to go towards a it says to reach for a common goal so I'm not looking at what you can do for me but how can we work together yeah and, and, and so and what's interesting is whenever she shared this with me I immediately saw you know the contrast of the two things that we you know the two worldviews we talk about right. on a regular basis we talk <laughs> right. about survival and then God's purpose and God's purpose is it's a singular purpose and it is joining with the glory of God joining with the unlimited God it is that it is that relationship it's focused everything is focused on that no matter what it is if if it's if it's an experience of pain and suffering it's focused on join him with the glory of God. It's an, there's, it's an invitation to okay. join with him. If it is something, you know, exciting and, you know, wow, this feels really good. Okay. That's also an invitation to join with the glory of God. It's about that one thing. Right. 
where survival is, it's the next thing and then the next thing and the next thing. It's, it, it's I've got to, it, it is, as you put it, an exchange. It's a transactional. Right. It's it, the momentary thing. I'm, I'm going to give you this so that I get this so that it moves me forward. It keeps me moving. It keeps me churning. Um, and I think it's, it's a mind shift a lot of times for us to even get away from that because in church even, I think a lot of times we view salvation as a transaction. Mm. Okay, I am getting saved or I'm receiving this or giving my heart, whichever way it goes, I don't know, but so I can get to heaven. It's a transaction. Mm. I'm doing this so I can get that instead of that relationship, what it's about. Yeah, yeah, that's really that's that's really good. Yeah. So, again, as I you know, I was thinking through this, you know, I was thinking through my story about the you know, the teenagers, and you know, it, because it, I remember as a youth pastor, in in and I've shifted this story just a bit. I may have mentioned this in a previous podcast, but it, whenever I was a youth pastor at that time, I had on my wall. And, and we would talk about it every single, every single time I would speak, I would say the words, it's all about relationship. Um, that was on my wall in my office. I had it stenciled on the wall. It's all about relationship. And, but it was really because it was that singular focus. It was about relationship. Mm-hmm. So everything that we did, everything that, you know, every project, every activity, every message, everything. It was always about that one thing. It was it was about the reliability, if you will. Mm-hmm. It was a reliable trajectory or anchor point of, of my ministry at that time. Right. And so then I was, was able to reach out to those kids. Right. And that's, that's what I'm seeing here in the brilliance of what you've brought into this, because I, I, whenever I was thinking about how we would go about this, this is not the direction <laughs> I was going, um, but I love it. I and love I monopolized it. the... No, I love it. I, I, <laughs> it's brilliant. It's absolutely brilliant, because it's, 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 it's exactly what we needed to talk about. Um, because it, it, does, it, it does focus in on, look, if you can... If you can manage your life, manage your ministry, manage your your ministry to people especially based on one reliable purpose, one reliable purpose, then you're not you're not having to decide what what weapon to pick up to defend yourself. Because, oh, that was unexpected. Oh, that was unexpected. Oh, this thing happened in the news. Oh, that was unexpected. Mm-hmm. We're still on purpose. Oh, this thing happened on my on my leadership team. We're still on purpose. Oh, this, you know, this unexpected, you know, pandemic happened. We're still on purpose. Because, but right. if you're just engaging life, gauging your ministry based on transactions, mm-hmm. 
and then leading the people based on transactions. What can you do? What have you done for me lately? Or how do you benefit if it's a pastor? How can this person benefit the church and maybe this other person can't? Oh, yeah, 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 exactly. Exactly, because it's on, on purpose. Right. And, and that's why even for myself, I, I don't always, this is a conversation my own and I have for years, a lot of times I see the bigger, I see the picture and don't notice some of the little details, mm. where Mylon will notice a tiny little detail somewhere else that I don't even realize is there. And so I'm having to consciously work on noticing people coming into the church that I don't know mm. or that might be new. Because even if we have greeters and other people, there's a point sometimes that they might be talking to somebody and somebody could slip in. And even if they have been greeted, it's, it doesn't hurt for somebody else to welcome them to church. The more people we have, then that takes away some of that feeling of dismissal or, I mean, Milo and I have walked in places where we've walked in, sat down, been through service and left, not coming in late, not leaving early, and still not had anybody talk to us. And and so it it does take a conscious effort, but it's important. Yeah, yeah. We we uh, my family and I we we transitioned to a church, and we were there. We were there four months I think I think it was four months before the first person other than the door greeter now the door greeter as we walked in the door greeter would say hi welcome so it was a it was very much about task right now they were in the they were in the process of of transitioning there was there was actually no pastor at the time Um, they had lost their pastor and they hadn't brought in a new one yet Um, so but door greeter or door greeters, right. two of them, would greet us, mm-hmm. and then that was it. That was the last time we had any interaction with anybody, even though they did have the welcome time. So, uh, hey, yes. go around and shake hands, you know, nobody. Nobody came up to us. Nobody said a word, and we were there for four months oh, my before goodness. the first person ever wow. walked up to us and and. Introduced herself, and I remember who she is. Mm-hmm. Um, still remember her to this day because she was the first person that wow. greeted us during the greeting. It was still during an official task-oriented time, right? But it was still it, that was the first time, I and mean, it was just it was disappointing. And now it's completely different now, right? That church is is completely different now. But during that transition time, when there was no shepherding. Well, and that's where, and then this is just a little side note, but that's where I think door greeters are great, but we have to be careful not to shift responsibility just to them to where the people in the congregation aren't taught to welcome people as well. Yeah, 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 exactly. So, so in, in, in the point of this conversation is not just about at church. Right. This isn't just <laughs> about, you know, whether somebody feels welcome at church because that's just that's just a gathering that's not 
that's not really the ministry. If you're if you're wrapping up your ministry in just Sunday or the time you get people to gather together, then you're not really doing much ministry right. at all. Um, you're just having an event. It's just a show. Look, we're talking about something deeper than that. We're talking about connecting with people and, and not allowing them to be dismissed. Right. In in creating a plan. Now that's yes. one of the things we're working on is 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 our our system for churches to have a plan so that they're not dismissed. Right. You know, that's this is part of our passion. Part of the reason why we're doing lay face resources is so that that one thing churches have a plan on knowing how to address when people are at their greatest point of pain or just you know need some kind of attachment attention right and you go in and sometimes people will go oh they're just starving for attention okay oh, <laughs> if somebody's starving what do you do yeah yeah <laughs> what's wrong with that you know I, I, I you know as a counselor I work with parents all the time and and they'll say oh yeah they're just doing that to get attention okay great <laughs> so what does that tell you that they want attention Right. Okay, great. Um, well, I just don't have time for that. Well, then that tells you why they're starving for attention. Right. And they <laughs> but, are starving. Yeah, it's not, it's, <laughs> it's not rocket science. People right. are really not complex at all. Right. That's, that's what I've learned over the years of working with people is they're really not all that complex. It's not really that. You know, the process, anyway, I won't, I'm not going to go off <laughs> into that, the, the, that, those weeds, but um but yeah, I, you know, just if they want, if they're starving for, they need attention, they need attachment, to, right. to use a psychological word. They need one attachment. Why? Because we're designed for that. We're designed for attachment with God and designed for attachment with one another. So if they're longing for that attachment, it's by God's design right. that they're longing for that attachment. Right, right. So when we look into this, um, one thing that I went on looking in church as on its own and understanding we're talking about a lot of different things, but just focusing on that for a moment, why do people dismiss others? And what I found, um, something mentioned a couple of things, and, and I added one that I think is important. One is it may be an autocratic pastor or somebody that they're just all about this is what I'm doing you know this is what I want to accomplish this is what I want to see happen mm, yeah and um, or there's power hungry par- parishioners who want to go with okay well this person these people are going to help me have the the most um, accolades or success or you know where people will say wow they're doing a great job so I'm going to go with these people and these others don't matter to me right now because both of those whether it's the autocratic pastor or the power hungry parishioner both of them are looking at what's in it for me how can I benefit and that's totally that transactional relationship we were talking about Mm -hmm. the third one that I added is people consumed by their own pain Mm -hmm. and that's just you may not always be looking at what's in it for me from a success standpoint, but sometimes we are self-absorbed because of 
that pain and and hurt that we have in our own lives that we just don't feel like we have the capacity to help anybody else yeah yeah that's good you know in in whenever we're we've got pain or even you know like you said the the power of hungry parishioners or we you know uh, you know somebody who is who is out seeking achievement here's what happens you know there's there's multiple there's multiple responses solutions to that but one of those one of those solutions is to kind of create a fantasy world and it's very easy to do mm-hmm. because within within our our ability to conceptualize to to perceive it's pretty limited let's let's be honest and so what we do then was we create this this fantasy of here's my tiny little world here's what i'm going to choose to perceive to see and i'm going to ignore everything else right and and as i've talked about before you know it's estimated that that of the of the data that comes into your brain, 99.999967% is actually filtered out. You don't integrate that. It doesn't become part of your, your, your processing. So your, your, your brain is a much better filter than it is a sponge. And so, but in, in that's, that's on purpose. God's designed it that way so that you focus on him. Okay, but if you're focused on your own survival, then you're filtering out everything else. And everything else might be things that are are really focused on the actual purpose. Right. Right? So we create this little fantasy and we create, you know, so and sometimes that fantasy comes in as when we gather, we're going to pretend to be something we're not. Mm-hmm. We're going to pretend that we've got it all together. Or we're going to pretend that you know, whatever it's it's pretend church right right and we we the problem is the main problem behind all of this is whether we're just pursuing our own goals or whether we're living out the purpose mm. god's purpose in us come on tell it <laughs> and and it's so easy because of the influence of our culture to feel like we have to meet certain things for for success to happen and i'm just going to tell you that success by the world standard does not line up with the bible as success with god's standard and and we fail to see that because we constantly push for a certain level of success that's not what what God did and I have I have a list here of how Jesus responded in situations if we're ready to go to that yeah go okay for it. so so what did Jesus do W oh that's what 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 would Jesus okay yeah what did Jesus do WDJD um <laughs> So I have a few just things from the Bible. Um, in Mark 5, it tells the story of, um, and I may not, I don't know how to pronounce this name. I think it's Jairus. But anyway, he comes to Jesus. He's a 
high-ranking official, and he comes to Jesus saying, my daughter is sick, will you come? And so Jesus is, okay, and so he's going with him to going to Jairus's house for his daughter. And along the way, there's a woman with an issue of blood that um, she has this sickness that's um, not normal. She's dealt with it for years. And she believes that if she can just touch the hem of Jesus's garment, that that will be enough, you know, to to make her whole because she had an, enough belief and faith in it. And so she does that. And Jesus could have just gone on. I mean, that that could have been enough. But he stopped and he considered her and he told her her faith has made her whole. And he he took that little bit of time to deal with her. Well, then word comes that Jairus's daughter has died. And some people, some people today, I think, would act like this, where they would say, well, he spent too much time with that woman and her blood issue when he should have just gone on to deal with Jairus's, to help Jairus's daughter before she died. What we forget is this is God, and he can do anything, and he doesn't dismiss, and he didn't dismiss the woman with the issue of blood, and he still went to the house of Jairus and raised that daughter up from, from when they, you know, she had died, and he he did a miracle there in, in both instances, but they were not dismissed. He didn't put off Jairus and say, oh, I'm sorry, it's too late. He, he dealt with both of them. And I, I think this is kind of great because Jairus had a high standing position and the woman with the issue of blood was not. And she was detestable to a lot of them. And he didn't just go towards the important person and dismiss the one. I think it's, it's, I think it happened this way for us to see that it doesn't matter. There's no ranking in the, you know, people of God. And, and, and we care for people. That's just what we're called to do. Another, another, um, situation in the Bible is in Matthew 19 when people were bringing their children to Jesus because he want they wanted Jesus to bless them and the disciples were pushing them away and just were getting upset because they felt like these children were bothering Jesus now hopefully we all realize it was the disciples that were feeling that <laughs> You know, and they're pushing them away, and Jesus is like, no, let them come to me. And so even that little child, that a lot of times we may think, okay, well, we're dealing with adult stuff now, <laughs> and we push the children aside. And I'm not saying there's not times that you deal with things, but children get dismissed a lot of times. And that's something else that Jesus is like, let them come to me. He did not dismiss them. I I have, and I'll just go through these last couple things I have, and then we can 
talk more about it. But then I have the parable of the lost sheep. And of course, there's the lost coin and, and the other things. But basically, you know, Jesus didn't, didn't, um, he, he left the other sheep safe while he went to look for the one, but he didn't just say, oh, well, I can't leave these, so I guess that one's done. He went out. He was not going to dismiss that one sheep. And honestly, I mean, we could look at it. Of course, we're not the shepherd, but we could think, well, it's only one sheep. And and I, even in a lot of my pain that I dealt with, you know, in the a f- few years ago, I struggled with this. And I talked with with my pastor about this parable a lot because it was hard in my pain to understand why he, I'm like, why would he leave them just to come for me? You know, because that was my thought process of being insignificant, not worth being a part of it. And, And that's where my pastor would say, he kept them, he kept them safe. But he still felt that every single one of them was important, and so he was going to make sure that that sheep came back into the fold. And, um, and he did not dismiss in that. And then the last point that I just wrote down is that in many times throughout Scripture, it talks about, Jesus especially talked about how the last shall be first and the least shall be greatest. And I think what he's saying is that there's no hierarchy here. (laughs) We don't have different levels of Christendom. We don't have more important Christians and less important Christians. We are all in a family together. And it should be seen as um where we we take care of each other yeah yeah i i I love all of that and i just want to make a couple of observations because remember the purpose the purpose god's purpose Mm -hmm. god's singular purpose is that each one of us join with him right it it's joining with it's joining with him I'm not just talking about salvation and eventually we get to go to heaven. Right. We're talking now. The He's kingdom a, coming here. Yes. We're, it's that relationship now. Exactly. And ongoing and, and joining with his, not just his, when we say plan for your life, it's like, you know, here's, here's the step by step. We're talking about your plan. His plan for your life is that you join with him. That's his plan. Right. Okay, if you're making it more complicated than that, it's not. And whatever you do, do it as unto the Lord, right. with the Lord, in 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 connection. Okay, right. so I'm getting a little off there. But <laughs> but here's what I here's what I love about what you pointed out. You know, if it's about this sick woman, and if it's about Jairus and his daughter, and it's not about it's not about it's not even about their healing right. or or bringing her back to life. It's not about that at all. What does he say? He says, believe in, in pistuo. Um, believe means faith in. Mm-hmm. We are really good at thinking about the word faith 
but it's faith in. What does that word in mean? Um, and even the translation of pistuo is, I am entrusted with. See, so there's a connecting point there, even <laughs> in the word pistuo, um, believe, faith, in, entrusted with. It's, it's a, that connecting point. It's like, here's, here's what he's saying. He says, assume in me that I am for you, and most importantly, I am with you. Mm-hmm. I am with you. So it's not a transactional. Jesus right. is not making some kind of transaction here. Believe on me and you'll be saved. Yes, it says that, but that's not a transactional meaning. Right. Oh, that's, that's Even though we take it like that right. a lot of times. Yeah, because because we live in a transactional world. Right. You know, what, what's interesting is I, I, I you know, again, I, I do a, I'm a, a counselor. Part of part of what I do is is counselor by train. And it's it's when I'm working with adults, it's fascinating how many of them talk about how they didn't meet the expectations of their parents, mm. or their parents didn't meet their expectations, or their spouse doesn't meet their expectations, or their kids don't meet their expectations. Right. So it's so when I say expectations, I'm talking about some level of measurement, right? Right. But there, whenever Jesus uses the word "stuo," it's there is no level of measurement here. Don't measure me. I'm not going to measure you. We're not measure. Nobody's getting measured up here. Right. We're just assuming this. And, and whenever, in, in if you don't, if you're not following what I mean here, here's the way it's it's spoken of in in Christian circles. Although both sides are given, it's yeah. I know he 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 loved me while I was yet a sinner. He loved me whenever I was still, I had, I was turning my back on him. Mm. And then we take it back and we go, okay, now I'm going to measure up. (laughs) I owe him. Yes. Forget about the measuring. Nobody's (laughs) measuring anything. It's just join with him. Mm -hmm. Walk in his steps. Are you saying we shouldn't obey? No. I'm, I'm taking it to a higher level than that. It's not about your ability to measure up it's about you joining with him it's to a greater measure i'm raising the bar here um and so i you know i love the this this idea and and that's why he look if he didn't even if he didn't talk to the to the sick woman he's still not dismissing her right but what he's demonstrating is one nobody nobody is left out sick despised woman right. everybody dismissed her jesus didn't um Jairus, he's a leader. He's he's a big cheese in charge, mm-hmm. and he's got a kid. Okay, just because he's a, a leader, he's not dismissed. Just because she's a little kid, she's not dismissed. Just because they're little kids that, that you know, hey, go away, kid, you're bothering me. <laughs> right? Not dismissed. Right. A sheep wanders off, serves him right. <laughs> right? He wanders off. Yep. Should have known better. Yeah. Hey, the 99 didn't wander. They're still over mm-hmm. here eating the, the 
grazing on the grass that I told him to graze on and staying within my right. eyesight. Wandered off. Too bad for you. No. Right? Right, because he still, he cares. It's not about just, even in our church circles, it's, yes, it's obedience, but it's not just about obedience. It's not just about salvation. It's not just about following the rules or not following the rules. It's not just about one certain thing. It comes back to the thing that we've said and will continue to say over and over. It's about the relationship, yep. not the action. Right. Right, and exactly like you said, you distinguished it in, in talking about these two forms of leadership. It's not transactional, it's transformational. Right. It's not transactional, it's transformational. Um, and that's, I, I love how you distinguish that. And that's how, that's the reason why we dismiss people is because we make it transactional. When we've made it transactional, right. we're dismissing them. When we've made it transformational, meaning it's on a purpose, it's a singular purpose, then that's the place where we're able to not dismiss them. Because right. if we make it transactional, here's the thing, you've got what, how, how many transactions are there in transactional relationships with people? Millions. Right. And you don't even know what most of them are. That's, that's just it. You don't even recognize right. them because sometimes people don't even know. Whenever I'm doing marriage counseling, you know, um, you know, people will be in a relationship and they'll say, well, you know, he's not doing this, she's not doing this, you know, I, and you know, did he know that? Well, no, but he should have known. <laughs> Yeah, did you know? Did you know exactly what you needed on that particular day? When you came home that day and you were upset because of something that happened at work and you walked in and, and he didn't say or she didn't say what you needed them to say, but they didn't even know what was going on. So here's the thing. You've got, if it's a transactional marriage, if it's a transactional ministry, if it's a transactional relationship at all, mm -hmm. one, you don't even know the rules of the transactions in right. order to win because it's, it's too numerous and we're not built for that. We're not designed for that. God didn't create us to even be transactional. That is, here's my argument on it, that is transactional leadership, transactional relationships mm -hmm. is entirely the what the serpent was, was Part of what the doing, serpent was, was tempting right. Eve to do is here because it's about you gaining power, perceptive power right. over other things, other people, and therefore you set yourself up to go, here, here's the transaction right. exchange. And, and God says, that's not my economy at all. Right. That's not my economy. Forget about this transactional thing. I'm assuming I loved you before I first spoke the first molecule right. into existence. I think highly of you, Romans says. Mm -hmm. And he's inviting us to do the same for in him and with one another so that we join in, so that we're not dismissing people by transactional, right. but we are, we are 
inviting them into us with all of our messiness, all of their messiness. Messy is great. Um, I, I said this to a lady the other day, and, and, and we were weeping. I wept with her. She was weeping. She was hurting in, in pain, and I wept with her. And I mean, I sobbed. It wasn't just like I teared up. Sometimes <laughs> I just tear up, but I sobbed. And, and I'm getting a little teary-eyed right now, but think about it. But I, I, I said, thank you for the honor of weeping with you. Thank you for the honor of, of, of joining with you and feeling some of your pain. Not, not as much as you feel it, but I just get to join with you. In, in, and um, you know, when she was talking about the, the pain that she was experiencing, I said, let, let your pain, let your grieving, let the hurt that you feel remind you that you're feeling this because you are joined with people you are connected with people it's because of your connection with people you're feeling that you could partition yourself you right. could shield yourself insulate yourself from people and you wouldn't feel a pain but you wouldn't be connected to people and that's not within your design right. so when you are feeling pain it's because you're connected right your pain is an evidence of your connection to people mm. And God. I, I know that we're almost about out of time here, but one thing I want to say kind of in, in wrapping this up, and, th and that was great. Um, we have a friend. Our friend Jeremy um, has said whenever I was talking with him at one point, he was even talking in a group that we had, that it is better he, he doesn't, we don't need each other. It's, it's, we have to realize that our relationships together shouldn't be that, okay, I need you for this certain purpose because that is transactional. I need you for this. Because if I'm just saying I need you for this, I need you to do this, then it automatically puts you in a transactional state. But if I can say, Jeff, I don't need you to do this, but I want you to be a part of this, then that's a whole different feeling and a whole different meaning. It's, a, it's that joining together rather than just, okay, I'm getting something from you, expecting something, you're giving it to me, and it's just what relationship we have is based on that. I believe that's truly why some friendships last the test of time, and you can go years mm -hmm without talking to somebody, and the moment you start talking to them again, it's like you never left because it was built on something more than just, what can you do for me? Love that. Love that. Okay, so take all of that that we talked about, connect that into your ministry, connect it into your relationships, connect it into how you're parenting, you know, whatever. That's um, really, really, really good stuff. All right. Well, another great conversation. Thanks, Don. Appreciate it. All right. Thank you, and we'll see you guys later. Bye-bye. To learn more about the Truly Unlimited podcast, Alethe's resources, No One Dismissed, a comprehensive ministry plan for addressing intense emotional pain, or our other resources, go to alethesresources.com. 
And Alethes is spelled A-L-E-T-H-E-S. AlethesResources.com or find us on Facebook, Twitter, or Instagram.